Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Colby R. Bertram, joined again, of course, by Abby Nielsen. And, you know, this this is a, a little bit of an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, of course, you've seen the title for this. This is a little bit of a recap of that ODU game. Um, if you watched it, well, I'm gonna. We are gonna be able to hopefully uh, voice, uh, you know, kind of what the concerns were for that game. But if you didn't watch it, you know, honestly, probably for the better. So, very, very hard game. Uh, very hard, probably to talk about. But you know what? We're here to do it. And Abby, it may be a struggle, but we'll get through it. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a hard game to watch yesterday. Um, that was my first time watching a Virginia Tech game as a Virginia Tech student. And, oh, no. you know, I wish it would have gone a little better. But, you know, I'm I'm holding out hope for the future. Gosh, I think even I was a little bit luckier for my first game as a VT student. But, yeah, that's that's bad. I feel bad about it for you for that one. Good Lord. Um, yeah, if you guys have not seen the final results, uh, we did lose to Old Dominion in Norfolk 22-17. Um, and rather than getting into the negatives, because, look, a lot of people are going to immediately and probably mostly focus on the negatives, I do want to go ahead and get some positives here for Virginia Tech, because there certainly were positives. I mean, when, when you look at the game, it's hard to say that there wasn't some things to look at. With the first and I think the most uh, – positive thing about that game was the fact that Keyshawn King came out and really played well. He had 19 carries for 111 yards, uh, had a 32 yard rush in there. And on top of that, he was able to get some good yards in the uh, receiving, uh, you know, receiving as well. So well-rounded game for Keyshawn King. Yeah. And to add on to that, Keyshawn King also had a touchdown. Um, yep. He also had a touchdown. It was, uh, let me look, it was great. Wells only passing touchdown that was to Keyshawn King um in addition to those 11 yards he was definitely the shining star on a relatively dull offense yeah and I mean the one thing that also won't show up in the stat book is now unfortunately on this play it was a turnover but there is a really good rush coming in uh from one of the ODU defenders slipping straight through our line and Keyshawn King laid out a linebacker like when I, when I say he had a well-rounded performance, he genuinely did have a well-rounded performance. He looks pretty good on the ground when our offensive line, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the best. And then on top of that, being able to get those receptions, including, as you said, the receiving touchdown, it was Keyshawn King looks good where we had a lot of struggles, which we'll mention. So, yeah, he was definitely, I would say probably the only positive on our offense last game. Yeah, I agree. I I think Chance Black looks all right as well, but he also had 23 of his 33 uh, yards come from one rush. So he looks all right, but outside of that, it was really the Keyshawn King show. Caleb Smith looked really good when he was in, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, The only other positive I think we can even mention is the fact that our defense actually did look pretty good. you know, Fred Pry coming in as a defensively minded uh, coach, and we had some good guys over there. And what do you know? We actually, you know, had a very solid defensive performance, though, sure, we gave up 20 points. 
Yeah. And if you look at those 20 points that our defense gave up though, they were put in a really rough situation. 17 out of those 20 points were off of turnovers. Yeah, it was a really, really bad situation for them to be in. But outside of like those turnovers, uh, the defense was actually able to play well, was able to really stuff up the ODU offense. Uh, we were able to get a fumble as well as did we get a pick? No, we did not get a pick. But we did definitely recover a fumble. Um, it was definitely good showing from that side of the ball. As you said, they were just kind of put into a poor circumstance as we're now leading into the negatives. Uh course you know that the offense put them into um it wasn't great offensive play calling to be perfectly honest all last night and as you said the real highlight to that is the fact that 17 of the 20 points came off of turnovers one of them being a blocked kick um so the the fact that that happened is you know there's wasn't much the defense can do when the offense isn't able to give you the support that you need yeah, and I, I think especially with the um, scoop and score touchdown, that was mm-hmm. a big mental error um, on Justin Pollock. That that Watching that snap, it just it flew right over, and it's just going down and down and down the field, and they were the team to scoop it up. You know, the Hokies couldn't get there. Old Dominion did, and they took it into the end zone. Yeah, and on top of that as well, the long snapper also on the next drive almost – put our punter in an awkward situation so it was back to back with the long snapper of really really bad plays and at least peter moore was able to recover that and be able to get the punt off but that was really horrendous of course and ultimately it's hard to say much i mean the the irony is, is we talked about this in the preview too is the fact that our defense can look good it's just sometimes our offense wasn't able to support it. And it's the sad thing to say is we were very much in that exact same scenario. And when you're looking at, you know, the, particularly as uh, you and I even mentioned before hopping on, the end of the game, that last drive with 30 seconds to go, you, that's certainly enough time to get down the field for a field goal. But we ran, you know, I wouldn't say too dis, uh, dissimilar of a play throwing both times to Connor Blumrick and both of those passes coming up for incompletions. Yeah. And it's not like a lot of passes um, were that accurate either. Um, You know, talking about passing some more, I mean, and this goes into the interceptions, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but some of those passes, I mean, they weren't even going towards anybody. I there at some points I was just watching the game, look around and thinking, who is Wells trying to throw to because there was nobody there. Yeah, that is certainly honestly one of the biggest negatives of the night. And it is unfortunate to say Grant Wells just did not have a good performance whatsoever. Um, And before we ultimately get the biggest deep dive into his stats, something that I found out that uh, I can note is comparing him to our Previous quarterback, and I'm going to try to do previous two as well, but particularly Braxton Burmeister, because I saw this uh, before we were recording. Grant Wells, with the four interceptions he threw last night, is already equal to how many Braxton threw as a starter last season. Yeah, I when you told me that, I was really surprised by that. Um, and I was not surprised in a good way. Yeah, it's... Kind of insane. Now, granted, Braxton didn't really sling the ball 
for VT. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, like always going downfield or if it was, it wasn't anything perfect, but Braxton was still very, very safe in that type of sense. And at the very least, he was able to get us down the field most of the time. Um, but then, you know, if, you, if you're to look at Hendon as well, I'm going to go to the SEC. But, I mean, I from what I remember of Hendon as he was uh, really starting for us, uh, or he took over during my freshman year in the middle of the UNC game, I believe. But Hendon Hooker was very much not uh, someone who was prone for turnovers, um, as he showed at Virginia Tech. But I, I believe he's also continued at Tennessee. Yeah, with Tennessee last year, he only threw three interceptions throwing for about 3,000, uh, just shy of 3,000 yards. But then at Virginia Tech, when he split, starting with Braxton Burmeister, he did throw five interceptions. But I do want to note that I remember I took a couple of those were against UNC, and he was coming off an injury. That was the COVID season. But then the season where he took over as the starter, he only threw two interceptions to 13 touchdowns and 1,500 yards. So both of our quarterbacks prior to, you do have to say, were not – turning over the ball like this. And Grant Wells, as you said, it, it was almost like he was seeing ghosts. He really missed through a lot of those balls. And the fact that it was four interceptions against a defense that honestly did not play, like, incredibly, it felt like, you know, the ODU's defense felt like an ODU defense. It, it was hard to watch. Yeah, and I think a part of it that made it so hard to watch is just if you look at the stats, taking the interceptions out of that, our offense played better. We had 340 total yards. They only had 245. We had 20 first downs. They only had 13. Um, but then when it gets the inception, the interceptions, we have four and they have zero. Yeah. Um, now, given they had two fumbles and we only had one fumble, we our offense had five turnovers and they only had two. And it, it really did come down to losing the turnover battle lost us the game. No, absolutely. It was, it was really, really hard, particularly, as you said, that turnover battle really being the issue for us, particularly, because it's not like we lost by a lot. We lost by three. And to particularly, obviously, if that blocks field goal wouldn't have happened, that would have taken away a lot of points. That would have made the difference. But, that would have you been know, a point difference, I believe. Exactly. It's we, would just, have, we would have added three instead of them adding seven. That's a huge mm -hmm. difference. But it's just, it was a lot of bad offensive stuff as we were talking about. And certainly Wells was at the forefront of that. Offensive play calling wasn't great. And to make matters even worse, the leading receiver, one that you and I are both very excited to watch, Caleb Smith. Uh, we don't have any update, but he was injured. He was out, I believe, around the first half. And um, it was said that he was seen limping. So there is concern of if he's going to be available for the next game. Yeah, that's definitely something that's super concerning to me, especially since he is one of the best receivers, if not mm -hmm. the best on this offense. Um, another interesting statistic is if you look at how our offense did um, in this game, we did not have anybody hit 50 receiving yards. Um, Nick Gallo, our tight end, he had 49. Uh, that was the most on the team. Caleb Smith had 45 prior to exiting the game. Exactly. And Caleb Smith was certainly breached 50, if not even more. Whereas if you look at the other end, honestly, part of the thing where I will give a, a, a little bit of a shout out to, or a little bit of an 
issue with the defense. And it's something that really was the only issue for the defense was that there were some sloppy mistakes made specifically in coverage, which led to Allie Jennings having five receptions for 122 yards for them. Um, which on top of that, if you look at the box score, he's the only receiver for them that was above 20 yards. Not, not you know, the 50 that we're looking at, 20. Their second next, their, their next up receiver is Keyshawn Wicks, who had two receptions for 16 yards. That's insane to me. Yeah, and that's, you know, also insane, but concerning. Um, you look, and just watching that game, there were so many huge plays and you know right at the end um off grant wells third turnover you know they they drive down they score a touchdown with 30 seconds left and you know i forget exactly how many yards it was i'm trying to find it um but if if you look at that last that last scoring touchdown for odu they had a very long pass i believe i'm trying to find it here it was 38 yards And they, they scored off that. Um, they, well, initially scored a touchdown on the first try. It was overturned and then immediately came back and scored a touchdown on the second try. But, I mean, that comes down to blown coverage. There, there should not be a 38-yard completion to our one-yard line with that little time left in the game, especially, and that was for the win. And there was another time I remember as well that I'd seen today where it was a fourth and one and they had a rush that they had to get across the line. And we should have stuffed them five yards back, but somehow their running back pops up out of nowhere and is able to get a first down. It was just some sloppy mistakes from our defense. Again, they did play well throughout most of the time, but the mistakes that they made were pretty critical mistakes that should not be made. And speaking of mistakes, this last big thing here for our team uh, the, the last thing we can really touch up on, but we had 14 penalties on the night and that's just, you, you've got to be a little bit more disciplined than that. Yeah. And to add on to that, you know, 14 penalties for a hundred yards, yeah. um, ODU only had six penalties for 65. So back to statistics, you look at the stats and they're winning where it counts. They're winning in those areas that we have continuously made bad mistakes and mental yep. errors, their turnover game and the penalties. There is no reason that our team should have had 14 penalties in that game. Um, and I'm really hoping, and I think rightfully so, it will be brought up in practice. I have a feeling that's something that is going to be very much worked on this week before the Boston College game. Um, and I think that absolutely other than the interceptions needs to be one of the number one highlights is the number of penalties. Cause that's something that should theoretically easily be fixed. Absolutely. Well, that's, we, we can breathe a little bit because that is this game talks about. However, we do have another game coming up this coming weekend, which we will have a preview for and whatnot. But before we get to, a little bit of a brief look ahead um, as Boston College did play this weekend as well. So we can mention it. We need to go and I think immediately talk about some of our takes that we talked about just a few days ago. And it's, I didn't expect to be talking about our takes again until like the middle of the season or a few games in, but we're having to talk about it after one game. So with that in mind, we had two offensive projections that we had. And I will go ahead and start off with 
yours, because I feel like I we know where this may be going. Is Grant Wells really going to hit your full take of being able to get into the top three all time? Absolutely not. Um, the only, as much as I hate to say it, I think if Grant Wells gets into the record books, it's going to be for interceptions. It is not going to be for passing yards. Um, you know, I, I was really trying to be hopeful, especially looking at how many yards he had in a season at Marshall. But, you know, you look at this game, he had four interceptions in one game. And I, I do not think he will get into the record books for interceptions because that would be really hard to do. But in 1972, um, Don Strzok had nine, uh, sorry, not 90, 27 interceptions in one season. That was in 1972. Um, kind of crazy. I know 90. <laughs> if somebody has 90 interceptions in a season, I'm not sure how they still have to be a quarterback. I'll tell you that much. But uh, no, 27 interceptions in a season. Do I think Grant Wells is going to hit that? I sure hope not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is going to go in. I don't think he's going to make it in the, any Virginia Tech record books, good or bad. Um, but I do th- still think there is an opportunity to get into the into the record books here. And we'll go back to your take for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I don't know if this is a record books take. I know this is definitely one of my bold takes. But the, the, the take was that, uh, you know, of course, uh, as you all may know, is that I thought that our top two running backs would combine for one point uh, or for 1800 yards combined. And I will say, I don't feel bad about that. Now, obviously part of it is because I feel like we're probably going to hit the ground game a little bit more. And I actually did think that we were going to hit the ground a lot more than we did in this game. Um, We were just about 50, 50 in passing to rushing. Uh, and we did have the lead for most of the time. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I thought we would have seen more from the ground. Um, but it wasn't exactly from who we expected, of course, as we mentioned. Keyshawn King was certainly the standout back for this game. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, hopefully when Malachi Thomas returns, the one-two punch between King and Thomas will be great. Um, and if not, hopefully Holson can have a better game. I still feel good about this prediction but certainly just one of those running back one of our running backs last night getting 100 yards and the next uh next best guy was uh chance black at 33 it's not quite filling me with optimism but it's you know it's it's it's, i can work with it yeah and i think out of all the takes that we had that were specifically related to virginia tech that's still the most likely hey you know what i love to hear that i think that's great and honestly, I love the run game. And that's it's something I talked about. So I, I, I do really hope that we are able to hit that. Um, certainly because we do have a lot of talent there that I think needs to get that shine. But with that in mind, the one last take that we both had, and I think after this game, we are both going to reassess this. Our records are not going to be right. I'm not, com- I'm not confident saying eight and four anymore. I don't know if you're still confident with seven and five. I would be a lot more comfortable at the four of six and six that I had because it's just going to get harder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at, I just pulled back up my record prediction. Now I had the floor at five and seven, my prediction at seven and five, the ceiling eight and four. Um, And looking through this, I'm going to change my prediction to six and six. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I, I think that's an optimistic um, prediction even. Uh, because you look at this and I'm, I'm really hoping we can pull through against Boston College. And as you mentioned, we'll talk about that more in our uh, preview for the game. Mm-hmm. I do think it's possible we pull out the win against Boston College. So Wofford, I would assume that we would win. But then again, you have that five game stretch of West Virginia, UNC, Pitt, Miami and NC State. Yep. And I don't see us winning any of those games. And then I think we could beat Georgia Tech. We could beat Duke. I'm a little more on, I'm definitely more on the fence about Liberty now after this ODU game. And then I'm really hoping we pull out a win against UVA, but then looking back through that, that could be one, two, three, four, potentially five wins. Um, So actually, yeah, I I would put my optimistic record prediction at six and six at six and six, but realistically, I think it could be as low as five and seven. Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, with first game, though, you don't, yeah, it's hard to say it like this, but I will say first game jitters, I can understand that a little bit, Um, and we aren't going to go fully into this. I will say with a little bit of, uh, with this upcoming matchup, there is a little bit of optimism, just a little brief discussion of it, uh, because Boston College did lose this weekend, a little bit before we start recording here against Rutgers. Now. What I will say is this, Rutgers is definitely a power five school, whereas ODU is not. Um, So certainly it's technically a better loss. But not only is Rutgers not a great football program, but they didn't even play well against Boston College. They had 110 yards in the air and they had 212 yards on the ground, including their lead running back having 78 on the ground and only having his long of 15. So I will say with us hopefully leaning more to the run game with us being at home with Rutgers not having to have that much of a, of an aerial attack to be able to be successful. And they were, you know, just barely over 500 in accuracy as well. I will say that we have a little bit more of a chance than a lot of Hokies uh, may have originally thought after um, losing to ODU. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think, and it's hard not to have an overreaction with situations like this, mm-hmm. but I do think we're going to have a lot of overreactions in the Virginia Tech fan base. Yep. Um, and I understand why there's overreactions giving the loss that we just had, but mm-hmm. you look at the reasons why we lost and it came down to a lot of the same key components. It came down to interceptions. It came down to penalties it came down to mental mistakes Mm -hmm. so on the bright side we know what we need to improve and hopefully we can hit on boston college's weak spots um because those seem to be our strong spots absolutely and again of course we'll get more into that later this week with a preview episode that will that should be able to come out you know either thursday or friday before the game i didn't even remember that the boston college game is as is as late as it is the fact that it's eight o'clock est this coming saturday that's that's a fun game fun game night game and honestly as we're getting closer into fall season going to be a little bit chillier than i think we may have expected yeah i'm absolutely excited for that game um hopefully my first win as a virginia tech student that would be great but with all that in mind i do have one more thing before we close out here um for listeners that know, 
I grew up on Kansas sports. I didn't grow up in Kansas. I grew up on their sports because my dad went to those colleges, uh, specifically, of course, Kansas and Kansas State. Now, to look at one of those, we know that one of those programs are really bad, at least in recent years, that being Kansas. And Kansas just destroyed the team that they played against at home on Friday night. They won 56 to 10 against Tennessee Tech. Jalen Daniels had a great game, 15 to 18. He did have a pick, but he had a touchdown as well, uh, just shy of 190 yards. Our running game looks great. This isn't really to hype up Kansas. I will say that. It's just, it's just mentioning notes. Here is where I'm bringing up Kansas, though. Virginia Tech and Kansas played two of the same games this season. They play against Duke, and they play against West Virginia. And actually, ironically, it's flipped. VT plays Duke at Duke, whereas Kansas plays them at home, and then vice versa with West Virginia. So the big question for you and myself here is this. Who will look better against Duke and West Virginia, Kansas or Virginia Tech? I mean, that's a hard question. And, you know, and not to not to put down can Kansas, but um, it's not exactly the football program you want to be compared to. I agree. <laughs> so I think, you know, you look at it and I think a big part of this is. And it, it hurts me to say this, at least for West Virginia, I think Kansas will fare better because we seem to always struggle against West Virginia. Now on that point though, as you mentioned, is Kansas, Kansas is playing in Morgantown. Is that correct? They're playing in Morgantown. Okay. And West Virginia is playing in Blacksburg. So, I mean, I think the home field advantage could play a part in that for sure. But um, at this point, I mean, you know, I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to say, I think West Virginia looks better. I, or I'm so sorry. I meant Virginia tech looks better. Okay. I my Virginia's mixed up there. Um, I, I think Virginia Tech is going to fare a bit better than Kansas, even though we do tend to struggle against West Virginia. And I think a big part of that is um, I, I don't think as much it comes down to the talent of the team as we are playing them in our home stadium and Kansas is going to Morgantown and Morgantown is not an easy place to play. And then, though I will say it's kind of fair, just kind of ultimately tossing out Duke in disregards here. Yeah, I think Kansas maybe will look better against Duke. Virginia Tech has not looked good so far, especially with the turnovers. Uh, um, you know, their game against Duke is a lot sooner than our game against Duke, though. So I, I think I do think that brings up an interesting point. I believe Kansas plays Duke in week four while we are playing West Virginia. Um, it's the same week, and then we don't play Duke until quite later in the season. So. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit. I said I think maybe Kansas would look better. I'm going to go with I also think Virginia Tech looks better against Duke simply because we have more time to work out the kinks in our team uh, before playing Duke than Kansas does. It feels weird to say this, but I think Kansas is going to look better in both games. Um. It was ultimately as an overall, but I do think that they're going to look better in both games. And the reason I have a feeling on that is, first of all, Kansas's offense is one that is growing. Um, as someone that's paid attention to Kansas football, at least a little bit, uh, certainly got 
uh, a, a really solid quarterback in Jalen Daniels, uh, who's moving our offense right now. Um, you also have a really strong run game. Kansas had three sophomores uh, run for over 50 yards against Tennessee Tech. Granted, it's Tennessee Tech, but still, I I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that Tennessee Tennessee Tech's like drastically off ODU or anything. Um, but then I would also look at this. When Kansas played last year against West Virginia, the, though granted they were at home, they did only lose by six points. Yeah, BT lost by uh, less. Or actually, that's actually a good question if BT lost by less. I, I know we needed a touchdown to win, but. Um, then on top of that, against actually Kansas did lose against Duke when they traveled uh, out out to North Carolina, but they did have a different quarterback at the time. So I don't know. I just I think that Kansas is moving in a very very positive direction under uh, Lance Leipold, and I think that that team showed last year that they can certainly pull off some miracles like they did in Arlington, Texas, um, but. It'll be very, very interesting to see. I would be going Kansas right now. Maybe, maybe that's a little negative, but I, I just I think that Kansas is a really growing side right now where VT is going to be going through uh, growing pains. Yeah, I think that is a really interesting point to bring up, though, to see how this plays out over the course of the season. And if I'm correct, the score of the game last year was 27. To, I believe it was 27-21. I do know we needed a touchdown to win. And you said Kansas, they lost by six. West uh, yeah, they lost by six to West Virginia. It was 34-28 because I looked at it earlier. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I'm interested to follow throughout the season now that you bring that up because it's not often that you get a non-conference opponent playing the same teams um, in a situation as we have now with Virginia Tech and Kansas. So I'm, I'm absolutely interested to see how that's going to pan out. I do really feel like it could go either way. Um, unfortunately, I think, you know, they could go theoretically, let's say one and one and who fares better in which game, or it could be Kansas is both or tech and both. So I think that's definitely something now I'm going to, I'm going to make a mental note and follow that throughout the season. Certainly. I'm excited to follow that. And certainly, uh, excited to put that out there on all honesty, because it is very, very interesting. Um, and to correct myself earlier, I said Arlington, Texas, rather than Austin, Texas. I realized that I made the mistake immediately. I was just like, "How? where did I mess up? And it was awesome. But that's neither here nor there. Again, Abby, of course, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's going to be a pleasure to be able to get you guys some more episodes out this week. We have a lot coming up here. We've got some season previews. We've got the preview for Boston College. And then we're going to have even more episodes coming out uh, as well. So with that being said, I want to thank you all so much for listening to another, uh, yet another episode of the 304 Sports Podcast. Hang in there. It's going to be okay. It's just one game. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.